0: What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. So I want you to really get this and understand this as we go over this message here that you have to have a proper perspective. We're we're, we're in the midst of a spiritual war. Revelation chapter 12 is a 30,000 foot view of the spiritual war that's been going on from the beginning, and you're going to see the whole war that's happening, the whole war that's happening, that's going to even go up to the last three and a half years before God comes back. And so this is the history of the world, and this is spiritual warfare, but it's important that we have a proper stance when understanding spiritual warfare. And this is why I have you at Romans 16:20. It says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That is the truth. That is reality. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. God is going to crush Satan. He is going to crush everything that he tries to do against you. And our hope is in that. Our hope is in the fact that the battle belongs to the Lord. Do you know that the enemy has already been defeated, but he's still alive and well from the standpoint of he's deceiving, he is lying, he is tricking, he is your adversary, he is the accuser of the brethren, he's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone whom he may devour, he has come to steal, kill, and destroy your life. The enemy is real, but guess what? Jesus on the cross stripped him of his authority. But he's not all the way done. And this is why Galatians 5.1 is so important. It says, for freedom, Christ has set you free. So don't go back into a yoke of slavery. Don't go back into bondage. Christ has set you free, but through our disobedience to Christ, we go back into bondage. His head has been crushed. But when we disobey Christ, all of a a sudden we we let him back in. We go back into slavery. This is why Jesus warns whoever sins is a slave to sin. This is a real war that we're in. The spiritual dimension is more real than the physical dimension. And this is why... Chapter 12 is just so extremely important that we understand it. So let's go ahead to Revelation chapter 12. We're always going to be in Revelation chapter 12, even though we're going to flip to a number of different places. So keep your place here in Revelation chapter 12 as you're following along. And here we go as way of review. It says, and a great sign and symbol appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars. The 12 stars represented Israel. The 12 tribes of Israel. And this woman represents the nation of Israel. We went into that last week. So I won't go over it again. She was pregnant and she was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And so we know that through the lineage of David, Christ came through the nation of Israel. The Messiah had to be an Israelite. This woman is Israel. In fact, this woman was a fulfillment of the prophecy in Genesis three, where it says that I will, and and God is talking to Satan. He says, I'm going to put enmity against you and the woman, and you will strike the heel of of her seed, but he will bruise your head or he will crush your head. So the same thing that's written in Genesis three fifteen is alluded to in Romans 16, verse 20, where the crushing of the head, the removing of the authority of the enemy. This is all a spiritual war that we're in. And Revelation chapter 12 gives us a 30,000 view of that war. Again, the church, we have to begin to believe that what we see is not What's really real? Like, I'm not mad at dude. Because I know if they were walking in the spirit, he or she wouldn't have done that. So they must be under deception. So I don't get mad at flesh and blood. I don't get mad at flesh and blood because my battle is not against flesh and blood. If we don't get this. We're in trouble as a church. Verse three. Another sign appeared in heaven and behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and on his head, seven diadems. And we talked about that last week, about the heads representing the seven empires If you didn't hear it last week, go back and listen to it online. It's there. You can understand what that means. Verse 4, his tail swept a third of the stars. And again, we went through Scripture to describe the stars represent demonic beings, fallen angels. And so one-third of the heavenly hosts fell with Satan. But guess what? Two-thirds are with who? Yeah, that's right they were cast to the earth, the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, she, he might devour it. And I, and I had you write 1 Peter 5a by devour because the enemy he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone who he may devour. He is a devourer. Why does the dragon want to kill the child that's in the womb? I want you to understand this week, Roe v. Wade, the dragon wants to kill the child in the womb. One of the reasons why is because of Jeremiah 1.5, which declares this. God is speaking to the prophet Jeremiah. He says, before I formed you in your mother's womb. Who forms people in in, in women's? God does. Throughout the Bible, God opened this person's womb. You remember uh, Hannah who gave birth to Samuel? It says God opened her womb and she gave birth to Samuel. Psalm 139, I knit you in your mother's womb. I chose you before the foundation of the world. That's in Ephesians. The baby leapt in Elizabeth's womb. Baby, womb, baby, womb. This is biblical. And the issue is a lot of the church doesn't believe in the Bible. So why does Satan want to kill what's in the womb? Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I set you apart as a prophet to the nations. How many prophets have been killed in the womb? How, what if we killed the person that discovered the cure for cancer? With the 60 million babies that have been killed in the womb in America since 1972. 60 million. Do you know there's like 1.3 million, 1.4 million people in Palm Beach County? Think about this for a second. America has killed 60 million babies in the womb since 1972. That's why the enemy's after those in the womb. Because it represents life, it represents hope. Not only that, but when a woman has an abortion, and also the man too, because the man has a responsibility. There's women that have been dealing with depression, condemnation, For years and years and years because they know what they did. Downcast. Because I just can't forgive myself. This is why, by the way, inner healing is so important. We want to walk with you through inner healing. Now, church, let me tell you something. Wake up right now. We're on a two-month wait for inner healing. What does that mean? That means the church isn't working. And I, I, I just want to say this, like, like, guys, you've got to get trained. There should never be a two-month wait for people to receive healing. Amen. See, we go online and we post all these things about Roe v. Wade, right? But when it comes time to work and to help people get free from the decision that they made, the church isn't ready to work. It wasn't in my notes. It really breaks the heart of God. Because the workers they're few, but the la- the the help me out church. <laughs> the harvest is plentiful, but the workers and the laborers are few. There's so much work to do. Guys, seriously, two month wait two-month wait. What if somebody's dealing with unforgiveness because they're hearing this and they've had an abortion and they want to walk through that because not only do they have to forgive themselves, they also have to forgive that, that, that guy that forced them to do that. And they're bound in unforgiveness and resentment and a bitter root judgment and there's depression and there's anxiety and they're just like, right? And they've got to wait. Now, listen, you don't have to wait. There's going to be prayer partners here. But what's done here is a little bit different than the inner healing room. I pray against guilt, condemnation. But some of you have been saying, I'm going to go to those classes. I'm going to get trained. And you haven't done it. Let's go, guys. Let's go. Like Roe v. Wade's overturned. It's time to get to work, church. We got work now to do. A law can't touch people's hearts, but the body of Christ can. All right, verse five. So so again, that's why the enemy just doesn't. He wants to stop things in the womb because he knows. What could be coming in that womb? I want to stop it before it begins. Verse 5, she gave birth to a male child. That's what we said was Jesus, one who's to rule or destroy, swiftly judge, or put down a rebellion. He's going to rule the nations, the nations, not godly nations, but ungodly nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God, to his throne. Verse 6, and the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared for God in which she's to be nourished for 1,260 days. That's three and a half years. So this is where we are in the book of Revelation. We're in the time where there's the great tribulation that's going on. And so the tribulation is a seven-year period. And so during that seven-year period, we are basically at the halfway point. The halfway point. Chapter 11 was the two was the second woe, of the uh, and 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 then, the two witnesses were killed. When the two witnesses are killed, the antichrist comes and he takes over. This is where we are, in the book. All right. The nation of Israel, who is the woman, and again, we talked about that last time, she is going to be rescued and taken into the wilderness and hidden away from the persecution that the Antichrist is going to bring. In fact, we're going to get that in Revelation chapter 13, where it says that, the, that you cannot buy, sell without the mark of the beast during this time of great tribulation. So we're going to get into that. But this is where we are now. We're getting a picture of kind of the history of the world in Revelation chapter 12. This is why it's so important. This is why I'm spending so much time on it, because I need the church. And really, God wants us to understand the battles not against flesh and blood. We are at war, whether we like it or not. Now, during this time, the three and a half year period, During this time, the last three and a half years of the great tribulation, this is what happens in verse 7. Verse 7. It says, now war arose. Say, I'm at war. I'm at war. War arose in heaven, and Michael, you want to highlight Michael because we're going to learn about Michael today. Michael and his angels. Remember, you can put two-thirds there because... The ones that stayed with God, there's two-thirds of the heavenly host, but the ones that are with Satan is one-third, one-third, right? So you could put one-third by the dragon and his angels. So Michael and his angels were fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. That's one-third. With us, two-thirds. With them, one-third. Spiritual war. We are at war. Now, as I look at the dragon and his angels, what did they do? They fought back. They fought back. Church, are we the kind of people that fight back? You're right. No, we are not. Out of the mouth of babes. We're we're good to be on the cruise ship. Hey, man, I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm good to go. I've got my faith in Christ. I'm going to go to heaven when I'm died. I'm good to go. When's the next potluck? And it's not, okay, I hear you. I hear you. God, what are you doing? When's the next training? When's the next discipleship class? Because I'm at war and I want to join Christ in crushing the head of the enemy. I want to join Christ in freeing people from the enemy's grip. I want to see people come out of the domain of darkness into God's marvelous light. I want to join you, God, in what you are doing. 1 John 3.8, it says that the reason the Son of Man was made manifest was to destroy the works of the devil. As a Christian... 1 John 3:8 is over us. This is what Jesus is doing. He is destroying the works of the devil. Ministry is this: helping people understand the lies that they believe, giving them God's word so they replace the truth, replace the lies with the truth from God's word. That's basically what ministry is defined helping people see the lies and the deception that they're in and coming into the truth of the word of God so they stand in the word of God not what they believe feel think and this is a war that we're in and Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil did you know if you look at Jesus's ministry in the four gospels 33 percent of his ministry 33 percent say 33 percent Was dealing with the demonic. Was dealing with the demonic. 33%. See, when you are advancing the kingdom, you don't have to look for the demonic. The demonic, you'll run up against it. Remember last week, the video that we played with the witch doctor? You're going to, as you expand God's kingdom, you're going to run into interference against the enemy. Jesus did. Jesus did. 33% of his ministry. Also, disciples, listen. Jesus never sent his disciples out in the four gospels without giving them authority over the enemy. But yet we send people out all the time from the church who have no idea how to deal with the enemy. Do you know demon Satan, the enemy, the demonic is listed in the New Testament 250 times? That's almost once for every chapter. Do you know Jesus is the one who says, "Listen, you can't take a house unless you first bind the strong man?" And the strong man is the enemy. And if you bind the strong man, then you can plunder his goods. But yet we think we're going to plunder the goods without dealing with the strong man. This battle is not against flesh and blood. We are at war, but we're a church that's really not trained for a war. And when I say church, I don't mean church out there. I mean church in here. I'll never forget the time Stephen Hamilton, myself, another guy Leonard Jerena. What's up Leonard if you ever hear this? I think he lives in North Carolina now. We're walking on the street, prayer walking, evangelizing. I see this dude run by me and run down the stairs. And he's running And there's a girl way down at the end, okay, who was a lady of the night. We have kids in here. And he's hollering at her, and he catches up with her. They start showing a little bit of affection. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me to talk to that guy, not the girl, the guy, and said, hey, man. The Lord is telling me that he wants you to run after him like you've been running after her. And that was the word. And I was so jazzed to get it. And I walked up. I said, hey, how you guys doing? You know, we're just out here praying for for people. And and so face was behind me. Leonard was behind me. And all of a sudden, as I started talking to the man, this girl looked at me. And she's like, I know who you are. And she says, you robbed me. You're a bad man. And then she started looking at Leonard and Stephen Hamilton. And she's like, what are you doing following this guy? This guy's an evil person. He's a bad man. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I just came to share the love of Jesus. And I was freaked out because, like, this lady was scaring me. She attacked me. I didn't realize I had a AK. Anyway. I didn't realize. I didn't realize. Like, as I'm coming up on that situation now, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I bind down Satan. And I take authority over that in the name of Jesus. And I ask for access into that guy's heart in Jesus' name. I would do that before even getting to the situation. But see, I wasn't trained, I wasn't trained how to war. And I'm so glad I got my butt kicked that day. And, and by the way, I got my butt kicked for real, for real. I was like, guys, we got to go. We got to get out of here. And we went home, and we were debriefing, and we were praying. And they're like, oh, my gosh, that was a demon. Yeah, I know that was a demon. Ah, ah. And so what, what, what happened was it caused me to humble myself down because it's good for you to get your butt kicked sometimes. No, I want to stay safe in these four walls here. I know they need help at outreach, but mm, oh my gosh. I like the pew. Ah, Church, go get your bucket. Because it humbles you down. And you say, man, I need help for the next time. For the next time. All right, help me, God. By the way, we're getting to one verse today. Because if you're like, how's this guy going to finish? He's not going to finish. And you need to go to uh, inner healing because you have performance issues. Because you want to finish. I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was all a joke. That was all a joke. You need a sense of accomplishment? Anyway. All jokes, guys. All right. So listen, we're in a fight. And again, we're not ready. We're not prepared. We don't believe it. this is why we're spending so much time in Revelation 12. Because the Holy Spirit's like, put on the brakes. Put on the brakes. Let's stay here. I want you to turn to Jude 9, which is a book right before Revelation. So it's right there. You're so close. Again, keep your place in Revelation 12. We'll be going back. Jude 9. I'm going to turn here because... Well, you don't need to know that. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> So, all right, let me let me uh, <clears throat> Jude nine, Jude nine, Jude nine. I forgot the the, the number. Okay, so listen, <clears throat> let's start at seven. Ah, let's start at six. Jude, verse 6, please. Sorry, I know I said Jude 9. Jude, verse 6. There's one chapter, right? It'd probably take me six weeks to preach through this book. But anyway, that's, a, that's another joke. All right, verse 6. The angels who did not stay with their own position of authority, but they left their proper dwelling, he has kept an eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. So there's angels chained up right now they crossed boundaries. This is why the demons looked at Jesus, by the way, and said, wait a minute, it's not our time. Please send us into the pigs because our time hasn't come. They were afraid they might've crossed some boundaries and they went in, into chains. Verse seven, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desires. There's natural desires And there's unnatural desires. There's only two. There's only two. They serve as example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority. Rejecting authority is a attribute of a false prophet, a false believer, a false convert. Defiling the flesh, they blaspheme the glorious ones, meaning they just say whatever to the demonic beings. Verse nine, but when Michael, the archangel, and here's Michael, remember, we're going to talk about Michael contending with the devil was disputing about the body of Moses He did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment. It's not that you need to respect the demonic, but listen, be careful how you talk. And he said, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you he was standing in the name of the Lord. He was doing ministry in the name of the Lord, not his own name. Seven sons of Sceva can give you more insight on that in the book of Acts. Don't do stuff in your own name, do it in his name. Verse 10, but these people blaspheme all they do not understand, and they're destroyed by by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them. Woe to them. And, And we could keep going. Let's let's go to Daniel chapter 10. So we're going to look at Michael again. So here's Michael, the archangel, who, by the way, is equal with Satan. One of the biggest tricks that the enemy has done is that he, he, he makes us think, and probably because of that one cartoon, South Park, uh, where you have Jesus and Satan wrestling, right? That's not good, by the way. Like, Jesus doesn't get up for Satan. Jesus doesn't get off his throne for Satan. Jesus sends Michael, who's a created being, because Satan is a created being. Jesus isn't on the same level. It's not Jesus against Satan. It's Satan against angels. And we need to understand that perspective if we're going to war properly. Daniel chapter 10, we're going to get a glimpse into the heavenly realm because Daniel was seeking God's face. He was praying and fasting for 21 days, and an answered prayer came. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, it says, Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel. From the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. You need to highlight that, Christian. A lot of times we pray, we think God doesn't hear. A lot of times we pray, and we're like, he's not answering me. No, 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 no. The moment you say it, he hears it. The moment you say it, he hears it. Your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia, you need to highlight that in verse 13. Persia, the Medo-Persian empire was an empire. It was actually one of the seven empires that I talked about because the the Satan, the dragon, he has this seven uh, uh, crowns on his head, right? Where one of them represents the Medo-Persian empire. And so the Medo-Persian empire had a demonic ruler over that empire. And this Prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the king of Persia, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the later days. I want you to highlight later days. Why is that important? Because God is talking about Revelation chapter 12. It's bringing us and pointing us to the later days, which is the time we're in in Revelation chapter 12. I want you to understand something. This is probably a 4,000-year-old prophecy that he's speaking about right now. And some of us, we quit praying after 19 days. Daniel was praying, praying, because the battle's not against flesh and blood. There's a war going on, and God, I need you, I need you, I need you. I pray for breakthrough in the name of Jesus. But what if he quit at day 12 and didn't keep pressing through? Would we see Daniel chapter 10? I I don't know. Because there was a war that was happening. Verse 13, so this prince of Persia withstood him 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people. Highlight to your people, that's Israel. Daniel's people were Israel in the later days, for the vision is for the days yet to come. Again, Revelation chapter 12. Let's go down to 19 so we can see more of this battle in the heavenly realm, which is more real than what's real here on earth. And he said, oh man, greatly loved. And let me just declare to every one of you today, you are greatly loved if you are in Christ Jesus. Peace be with you in the name of Jesus. You be strong. You be courageous in Jesus' name. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened. See, sometimes we don't get strengthened because we don't receive what's been declared over us. We reject it. And again, in our healing, we can't receive. We can't receive, so we're not strengthened. Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I've come to you? But now I'll return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what's inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side except Michael, your prince. So. We have the prince of Persia, we have the prince of Greece. The, the, the Greek empire, right, the, the, the empire of Greece as well was an empire which had demonic entities that were on Greece's side. The, the, the people of Persia, demonic entity that was over Persia, that was over Greece. So this demon, these demonic beings are running things. Behind every government, there's demonic forces that are at play. And again, our battle's not against flesh and blood. It's not about the donkey or the elephant. It's about the lamb. It's the lamb. It's the lamb. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Because I've seen the enemy use the elephant, and I've seen him use the donkey. I've seen him use both. Even recently, like last week, I've seen him use both. And we've got to understand it's not against one another. I want you to go to Daniel chapter 12, please. So, again, this is prophesying about the end times. Again, about 4,000 years. 4,000 years. Of course, we don't know when Jesus is going to come, so it could, you know. It could be a little longer, shorter, but understand what's going on here. At that time shall arise, Daniel chapter 12, Michael. There's Michael again. The great prince who has charge of your people. So again, the people of Israel. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation till that time. So again... Nowhere on earth has there going to be a trouble like they're experiencing during this time. During the last days. But at that time, your people will be delivered. So imagine this now. If you're a believer, going through the great tribulation, you've got this promise that says you're going to be delivered great trouble like nobody's ever seen, but you're going to be delivered. That's what Scripture is saying. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn Many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. When is that time? Revelation chapter 12. It's sealed up. And listen, many shall run to and fro. I've talked about this before. There's been no other time on our planet until the time of air travel that many could run to and fro. Never been able to do that. And then the next part as well, knowledge shall increase. Never in the history of our world have we had computers and knowledge like we have now. We are in the end times, and the Bible spoke to that 4,000 years ago. Again, this is war, and you and I need to understand that There are demonic beings that are at work behind governments, behind world systems, behind world structures. There's this great dragon who has seven heads and ten horns. And here we are going to war right now with this issue of Roe v. Wade. Sebastian, if you could put up the one uh, tweet. <clears throat> so, I, I go on Facebook and I'm. What are they? I'm not a troll because I never comment. I'm just a Snoop Dog. I, I don't know what you would call. It. What's what does that call? Somebody just looks at stuff. A lurker. Anyway, look, I'm in Christ. Okay. But I'm just trying to see what the people are saying. And if one of you guys put this up, it's in the, no condemnation. But there's truth that's here, but then there's also not truth. There's truth, but not truth. You know what the not truth is? There's rejoicing, but there also should be lamenting. And that's missing. Look. When you get a touchdown scored on you, nobody wants to see you do the end zone dance. That'd be my end zone dance. No, I I could do better, but we're in church. No, I keep it 100 in and out, so. How's the team that just got scored on feel? Right? Right? and you're like, in your face, bro. That's not us. So there's a lament and a brokenness. It's not a a, a spirit that's like in your face and a mocking spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. And so we want to rejoice with the right kind of heart. Yeah, a huge victory, a huge spiritual victory that just happened. But we want to make sure we're in the we're in the right spirit. Also, you're in the wrong church. Let me just say, if you can't rejoice in a church, you're not being the church, you're not involved in a church that believes in the Bible, if you can't rejoice. The Bible' is very clear. God created life in the womb. And so if people get offended in a church and you can't rejoice, you might not be at a real Bible-believing church where we believe in the Word of God. We believe that, that hey, Jeremiah 1.5, God knit us together. He, uh, Psalm 139, God knit us together in, in, in our mother's womb. We might not be at a church that believes in the Bible. And the other thing, you at the wrong church. Listen, if I can't be real with you and you can't be real with me, we're not doing church for real. So if I'm afraid how somebody is going to react towards what I say or what I think, then guess what? That, that perfect love hasn't cast out that fear yet, and you're really not having church. I should be able to say whatever. I should be able to offend you, and you should be able to turn the other cheek in Christ and come to me. See, they killed Jesus, and he still died for them. And this is the difference between judgment Oh, what's wrong with that guy? He's so biased. He's so this. He's so political. He's so, he's so, he's so. And you stay at a distance. Listen, Revelation 12 talks about you, the accuser of the brethren. Having judgments against somebody but never coming and talking to them. Look, that ain't church. Church is this. Oh, this person has this issue? Okay, hey, Jason, can I talk to you? No, I'm just kidding, Jason. This person has this issue. Let me pray for them for 21 days like Daniel. Let me fast for them. Uh, Let me remember what it says in, in John 7. Okay, Father, help me to get the log out of my eye first. Maybe I'm wrong in my judgment. Maybe I'm wrong in my accusation. And let me just sit before you here, God, before I go. And after I go, God, help me to respond in a way that I get the speck out of their eyes so that they're healed and whole, so that I'm walking with them in love so they get better. Because I'm not just going to confront them because I want to be heard. I've got to get justice. i got to be right. I've got to put them in their place. That's the wrong spirit. And listen, it's not church if we can't express what we feel. If you're here and you're pro-choice which I would say pro-abortion, listen, that's okay. Let's come talk. Let's come talk. If you've had an abortion, listen, that's okay. Let's come talk. Because there's forgiveness. Now, I told you, one of my my girlfriends, I had pregnant back in the day. I wanted her to have an abortion. Because I was selfish, and I didn't want to ruin my life. That was sin and selfishness. I'm not judging to condemn you, but understand the truth is the truth. I did that in my heart. Now, she had a miscarriage, but guess what? I had already killed my child in the womb because if you, you hate somebody in your heart, you've committed murder in your heart. And everybody in here is a murderer, by the way. Everybody in here has murdered somebody in their own heart. So there's no judgment. There's no judgment here. Where there's going to be condemnation, but there's judgment so that we can repent and change and come into the truth. And there's forgiveness at the cross. This is the church. That's not the church where we're afraid to say what we feel. And say what we think. And say what we believe. Go ahead and put up my Frederick Douglass. I like this one. There's so much hate coming from the church that's on the left of progressive Christians. Oh, you're just a one-issue voter. You're darn straight I'm a a one-issue voter. So was he. So was Abraham Lincoln. And let me just tell you, abortion is worse than slavery. We have killed 60 million in the womb. A slave can be freed, and a slave can escape. He was a single-issue voter. That's not demean people that have a passion to see this injustice end in this country and to stand on that. Let's go ahead and put up the next clip. Listen. So, so, so that, that last one with Frederick, listen, you need to be political. You need to be political. You've got to get involved in politics because when unrighteous rule, people suffer. Don't be ashamed of being a single-issue voter. Do not be ashamed to say, this is what the Bible says. I want to see this happen because I want to see your kingdom come on earth just like it is in heaven. Listen, we need to be involved. Look, this is a hard thing for people to stomach. God brought righteousness through Donald Trump. What? 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 Listen. He put three pro-life judges on the Supreme Court that just overturned Roe v. Wade, and righteousness has come into the land. And you need to go before God and deal with that. I'm not saying he's righteous. (laughs) ain't saying that. I'm saying God worked righteous. No, you're getting all political. Yes, I'm getting political because politics matter. Your people are going to suffer if we don't get involved as the church because we have the truth, we have the Holy Spirit. And listen, this is why science matters. Those that are pro-abortion, listen, the science has been settled. They've lied to people. Listen to this quote by Dr. Matthews Ross, who's the professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School. It is scientifically correct to say that an individual human life begins at conception. The moment of conception, life begins. The science is settled. So listen, there's been a lot of fake news out there and false ideologies and lies, but the science is settled. Don't be a science denier. The science is settled. That's a life. That is a life. It's not a choice. It's a life. It's a life. And it's a life for a biblically, a biblically literate Christian, a Christian that believes the Bible is the Word of God, that that child was formed by God, that that child has a purpose and a plan, no matter how it was conceived, because that life is a life. And the reason why we can rejoice... But also walk with compassion is because a lot of people don't believe science. Because they're under deception. There's a spiritual war. Spiritual war. This is why the hypocrisy of those saying, my body, my choice, we're also chanting, you have to get a shot. It's because people are under deception. It's not their fault. I'm not mad at them. But they're under deception. Deception. of our country, by the way, half of our country, I think it's like 48%, are pro-abortion, pro-murdering a child. Listen, that's half of our country under deception. So we shouldn't rejoice and throw it, spike the ball in their face. We should have compassion that these people are just blind, and I can't hate a blind person for being blind. I'm going to speak truth. And I don't back away with that, but I want to be a person that moves with compassion because they're under deception. Now, for me, one of the things God has called me to do is to to work with and in the black community. And go ahead and put up the next post, please. One of the reasons why people are so upset about Roe v. Wade is because those are the real, a lot of them, white supremacists. The racists are really upset. You know why? Because the number one cause of death in the black community, by far, is abortion. And because people haven't studied abortion or studied Planned Parenthood and its origin, they don't know who the founder was, Margaret Sanger. And Margaret Sanger said this, and I'm going to quote, We do not want the word to get out that we want to exterminate the Negro population." And the minister, the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. So her plan, called the Negro Project, you can go look it up, was to get rid of the black population. And she was using the black pastors to peddle Planned Parenthood for women's health care. And people don't realize... And we don't realize why there's such anger right now because of Roe v. Wade. Listen, Roe v. Wade did not end abortion in America. All it did was to say, hey, states, you get to vote on this. And so you can vote in your state if you still want abortion. Abortion's not ended in America. It only moved it down to the states to be able to vote whether it's going to be legal or not in our state. It's crazy how the people are like, we're concerned for democracy. We're concerned for democracy. Now we got democracy and people are rioting. Again, we can't be mad because people are under deception. And here's why I'm rejoicing, but I'm not rejoicing like I want to rejoice. It's because of this. Laws can't change people. Only the gospel can. The Supreme Court could outlaw this and overturn this. You could outlaw guns and get rid of knives in America. People will still kill people. And so people need the gospel. They need the gospel. Only the gospel can change a corrupt heart. And listen, here's the other reason why I'm not rejoicing too much is because there's a lot of work to do. And I feel like people think they're doing something by posting something on Facebook. And the reality was, after slavery ended in America, Samuel Armstrong, who was a missionary—it's a white missionary, by the way—he started a school in Virginia called the Hampton School, funded by all Christians, to help slaves that have been freed, learn how to read and get an education. And one of the students that came to the Hampton School was a young man named Booker T. Washington. And Samuel saw something, Armstrong saw something in Booker T. Washington and helped Booker T. Washington start a school in Tuskegee, Alabama called the Tuskegee Institute. And Booker T.'s book, Up From Slavery, which I highly recommend you read, he said this about Samuel Armstrong, I've never, ever, no one's ever affected my life more than that guy because he walks in the character of Christ. That guy I love, equipped, and empowered, Booker T, helped him build the school financially. Amazing. See, see, but that's, see that's work, guys. And I know the reality is most of the church doesn't want to work. They just want to post stuff. Well, I'm an I'm an activist. I'm I'm raising awareness. Hey, awareness has been raised. What what needs to happen is send me, I'll go. Train me, train me, I'm ready to get into, into this war. Okay? There's enough people raising awareness that kind of get rid of their guilt by raising awareness. But who's gonna come and, 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 and commit? And say, hey, God, I'm laying down my life. I'm laying down my life like you, Jesus. Who can I serve? The Good Samaritan See somebody, and Jesus says, and, and this guy was bleeding and half dead all alone, and this guy goes and, and, and he rescues him and he helps him, and Jesus says, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. So there's a lot of work to do. Now, when I told you we were doing one verse, I wasn't lying, but I wanted to hit this topic right because it's important we think right. It's not a time to spike the ball in the end zone. It's a time to get to work. It's time to equip ourselves so we can have honest communications with people that really do believe it's a clump of cells really do believe false ideology that's out there, really don't understand that, that that probably 80 or 90% of women that do have abortions for the rest of their life, they deal with depression and anxiety and are on medication because they know what they did, that we share the gospel because there's hope for every sin, every sin that you could ever do. There's hope, there's forgiveness, there's healing, there's transformation, that our God is here. He wants to make all things new, all things new. But listen, guys, we are at war we're at war. We're at war. Worship team. Would you please come up? One of the ways we war is we sing. This is how I fight my battles. But it's 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 my prayer, guys, that the church would just say, yeah, thank you, God, for overturning Roe versus Wade. But now what? Now what? What are you calling us? What are you calling us to do? You're calling me to mentor a child. You're calling me to adopt a child. You're calling me to get involved with uh, organizations like um, Four kids. What are you calling me to do, God? What are you calling me? Are you calling me to start a a teen pregnancy home? What are you calling me to do, God? Are you calling me to be involved in inner healing so I could help bring healing to those who have made that, that choice that we understand, that we all understand? And so, God, we are at war, and I pray you would just wake your people up. I pray for a fire, God, just to come and grip us. We need you, God thank you. Ultimately, the battle belongs to you. We thank you, Jesus, that that, that one day soon you are going to crush the enemy's head altogether. We look forward to that day, but God, help us to join you in destroying the works of the enemy. Help us, God, to be awakened that the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and powers Mm -hmm. in high places. So God, please train us Mm -hmm. how to fight train us how to fight with a compassion and a brokenness. Pour out your spirit upon us, God. We need you. God, I pray if there's anybody here today that, that needs you, Jesus. That needs prayer for anything. I pray that you would just draw them forward. celebrate you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you died for us. You died for us. Murderers at heart, you died for us. The prideful, the arrogant, you died for us. And I pray, Jesus, that you would just continue to have your way in our life. Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com